0: There you go. Well I want to start with a look at um, chapter 2 where um, if you if you have the questions from chapter 2 the third question there was what are the thoughts regarding the words that are found in verse 13 which also is at work in you who believe. So reading up to that point it says remember in, in, in chapter 2 he's talking about um, there you go. In chapter 2 he's talking about um, how it was that he came to them and how it was that he presented himself and presented the word and conducted himself. And when we get to verse 9, let's start there. For you recall, brothers and sisters, our labor and hardship, it was by working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you, that we proclaimed Uh, to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly and righteously, rightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of mere men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which also is at work in you who believe. When we get to that little phrase, what's Paul referencing about how that's displaying itself? That he could say that confidently about the Thessalonians. This word that you've accepted as the word of God, it's being lived in your life. It's noticeable by people. It's at work in you who believe. How is it showing up for the Thessalonians, for the Thessalonian believers? There's actually some in this chapter, maybe a reference in the past chapter. In chapter 1, at the very beginning of chapter 1, he says I'll give I'll give a I'll give the first answer to this that I was looking for in 1st Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 2 he says we also give thanks to God for all of you making mention of you in our prayers constantly keeping you keeping in mind your work of faith and labor of love and perseverance of hope if you highlighted your bibles to the tune that I highlighted mine and said that maybe if you didn't, if you didn't get this little connection, I may have failed in chapter 1. What did we point to in chapter 1 that, we're dis- that was a display of their labor of love, their work of faith, and their perseverance of hope? Toward the end of the chapter. Yes, verse 9, Karen. Sir, you Exactly. So there's one thing in, the, in, this, in this text, in this letter to the Thessalonians that's pointing to the work that, of the gospel that's showing up. They are um, presenting themselves or they're working, uh, they, or their faith is a working faith. Chapter 1, your work of faith, which is shown up in the end of that chapter by turning to God from idols. They also had a labor of love, which is another word for, the, for work. A labor of love, which was that they were uh, serving a true and living God. Those are two examples of how a, the work might show up, at least for the Thessalonians, when he says in chapter 2, in verse 13, at the very end, that they accepted the word of God as what it really was and it was showing up or it was also at work in you who believe. So that's chapter 1. Anything in this chapter that might point to something that he's referring to? Yes, very good, Crystal. They became imitators of the Judean Christians. We're going to talk about that a little bit and suffered as a result. Um, my, my thought here is when people hear the word of God and respond to what God offers all mankind, it causes a, a reaction. And, and, and I'll just go take the re off of it. It does cause a reaction, but it also causes action. Either way, people either reject it and act on that rejection by refusing to do anything about it. Or they accept it and they act or should in response to having accepted it. For those who accept it, for those of us who've accepted the gift and are Christians... We've changed. These Thessalonians changed. They changed their lives. They put their lives at risk. My point being is that any Christian anywhere, anytime, ever, if you think you can become a Christian and it's not going to change you, you haven't really accepted what God's offering to you. I've actually had someone come to me and ask me that question. Chip, there are some things in my life that I know I'm going struggle, to struggle to give up, but I know I need to be baptized, and I know I need to become a Christian, and I know I need to live that life. Do you think I should be baptized if I'm not ready to give up some of those things? Well... Isn't that what repentance is? And doesn't that happen all of our life? It doesn't happen just once, right when we're baptized. All of our life, we make changes. The more we know, I'll tell you. That, I was talking to my dad this weekend, or this week, earlier this week. And we were talking about how that we don't deserve what God has given us. And he was telling me that the older he gets, he's going to be 91 next month. And he said the older that he gets, the more... Um, emotional he is about what God has given him. The closer he gets to what's waiting for him, the more emotional he is about how I don't deserve it. And he looks back at his life and he thinks about things that he should have done differently earlier. And I told him, it doesn't, it's not, dad, it's not really just because of your age. I said, it's, it's happened to all of us. It happens to me. I have, I get a lump in my throat sometimes when I think about what God has given to me and done for me. When I think about how unworthy I am. I do not deserve this. And so I hope it causes me to change. To strive to do better. And to do more. That's what Paul's saying about these Thessalonians. It's at work in you who believe this gospel, this word of God. I would just say, take that to heart. I hope it's at work for all of us or in all of us. Question number three in, in the, I mean, question number four was uh, something I want to read or ask after we read the next few verses it says, as Crystal pointed out in verse 14, let's just pick up right there. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all people, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved, with the result that they always reach the limit of their sins, but wrath... "...has come upon them fully. But we, brothers and sisters, have, having been orphaned from you by absence for a short while, in person, not in spirit, were all the more eager, with great desire, to see your face. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once. And Satan hindered us." I want to stop right there. What do you think Paul meant when he said... Satan hindered, hindered us. Paul wanted to go back and see the Thessalonians, believers. He was worried about him. He wrote this letter from Corinth a few months after he'd left them. So, what did Satan do that hindered him from going? He was in Corinth remember what happened to Paul in Corinth? Was it easy for Paul in Corinth? Let's turn to Acts chapter 18. This will just be a refresher here. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but in in Acts chapter 18 Paul and his companions, well probably Paul and Silas arrive in Corinth because while they're in Athens, remember they came from Berea to Athens um, and he waited for Silas and and Timothy to catch up with him in Athens and then before they leave Athens Paul sends Timothy back to Thessalonica and then he and Silas go into Corinth. So what happens in Corinth? If you skip down in verse chapter 18 it says or let's do five, but when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia Paul began devoting himself to the word testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ but when they resisted and blasphemed He shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood is on your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. Then he left the synagogue and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. So he goes out of the synagogue, goes right next door, and keeps preaching. Um, he believed in the Lord together with his entire household and many of the Corinthians as they listened to Paul and were believing him being baptized. And the Lord said to Paul in a vision by night, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am, for I am with you and no one will attack you and harm you, for I have many people in this city. And he settled there for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Do you think that made it any easier for Paul? The Jews said... He was a blasphemer. He leaves the synagogue. He starts teaching to the Gentiles. Let's keep reading. Verse 12. While Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, Achaea is where Corinth was. So this is like the person, like a pilot um, in, in the Judean area, Galilean and Judea area. Um, this is. The counter to Pilate. While Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews rose up against Paul and brought him before the judgment seat. This would be before Gallio, like before Pilate, saying, This man is inciting the people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of some crime or vicious, unscrupulous act, O Jews, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you. But if there are questions about teaching and persons and your own law, see to it yourselves, I'm unwilling to be a judge of these matters. And he drove them away from the judgment seat. Does that remind you of Pilate? Didn't Pilate say the same thing to the Jews? Y'all take care of your own mess. This has nothing to do with Roman law, Roman customs. This is all your stuff. You deal with it. course the Jews in Judea said what to Pilate? Exactly. What we want to do to this man, we can't do under Roman law. We want to kill him. We need you to pass that judgment to kill him. We can't do that. That's what they said in Judea. What happens here? Gallio just basically says, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. So, verse 16, he drove them away from the judgment seat. But they, who? The Jews, they took hold of Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and began beating him in front of the judgment seat, in front of Gallio. Gallio was not concerned about any of these things. This was Paul in Corinth. So when he go when we go back to Thessalonians, the first Thessalonians, and we look at what he writes, he says in verse 18 of chapter two, for we wanted to come to you, I Paul, more than once, and Satan hindered us. Is that one of the reasons? Is that one of the things that he might have been referring to? It was difficult in Corinth. As much as Paul would like to have left and gone and visited the Thessalonians, he had work to do. What else is mentioned in this little section in Acts? I won't go back to it, I've already flipped away from it in my Bible. What did God tell Paul about Corinth? First, he said, No harm will befall you. I'm with you. And the third thing he said, You remember? I have many people here. There was a lot of work for Paul to do. And I think he may have, by the tone of this letter to the Thessalonians, at times been discouraged that he couldn't get to all of it. He was one man and he had help from Silas. He had sent Timothy. Timothy had come back. But for God to tell him, I have many people here. How do we perform, i can tell you how I perform, how do you feel under pressure when somebody says, you got a lot on your plate, and I'm counting on you to get it all done? Does that make you a little nervous? Maybe make you feel accountable? This was coming from God, not your boss, (laughs) although a boss for sure, but not your human boss. This is God telling Paul, I have a lot for you to do here. Keep the faith. Keep it up. So I say that because I want to ask this next question. Do you think persecution is good or bad for us? (laughs) <laughs> he promises it's going to happen to Christians. So the Thessalonians knew it was coming, but is it good for us? Is it bad for us? And how do we get through it? How do we use it? How? Barry? Well, just like the statement of the Church of Smyrna in talk about their persecution. He says, this is kind of you to test you. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we, we must be tested to make sure that we're going to hold to the confession of Christ regardless. And uh, it's an important test to pass when he says those words to somebody. OK. he says you are insulted in the name of Christ you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you I don't know what all that means where were you? First 1 Peter, Peter 4. 4 14 mm-hmm. I mean that, that's just the spirit of glory rests on you mm-hmm. I don't know what that means but it's it's awesome. it's blessed we are. Blessed. We are blessed to be, blessed to have, uh, first of all, blessed to have received the gift, but we're also blessed to have the responsibility or the, um, uh, the joy we should have in being able to share that with other people. Um, and Peter said that, that, that he would be counted worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. He said it was just an amazing thing to him. Oh, sorry, Crystal. Yep. James and in Romans five, both of those places kind of are 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 similar in that in Paul Paul writes in Romans that we we count our persecutions or our um, our sufferings as joy uh, because of what they produce in us, Um, and and he follows that statement by saying um, we exult over some things and there are three things in chapter 5 of Romans that he says we exult in and one of them is persecution or sufferings and he says right after that because of something we know knowing that and he goes on and says persecution produces and it goes all the way up to a confident hope. Um, James is the same way very similar same thought same principle Jerry It's not so much that the adversity makes it happen. It gives us the opportunity to use that and to use what we've gone through to be a benefit, a light, a whatever you want to call it to someone else. Yeah, perfect. John? Sort of expanding on the opportunity aspect of that. Us going through that while still holding God in this same regard demonstrates To others both on earth and powers and principalities, the nature of God. We are willing to do this, we're willing to suffer, we're willing to be faithful to God, even in spite of what's happening to us, because of who God is. So we are proving God's nature to others, which is awesome. It is, and, and, and that's really one of the things I wanted to emphasize because of what we're going to hit in chapter 3, and that's why I think we'll get through chapter 3. We can't get through, it's difficult, extremely difficult. I shouldn't say impossible, not impossible, but it is extremely difficult to get through persecutions, to stay steadfast, to, to utilize our best abilities to take advantage of opportunities, and to be joyous while we're doing it, if we're doing it all alone. That is just next to impossible. God blesses us with having a family of fellow believers who are trying to do the same thing and we're encouraged by being around those people, spending time with people that are trying to fight the same fight, walk the same walk and we see it demonstrated in people like that. So. Um, I would say keep that thought in mind. And then the last question I had for chapter 2 had to do that if you were asked the questions that he asks in chapter 2, verse 19. So we quit it, verse 18. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and Satan hindered us. Here's the questions. For who is our hope, our joy, or crown of pride in the presence of the Lord Jesus at his coming? is it not indeed you how would you answer that question a question if you were asked those questions here's where i'm going with that i'll just ask the question do you think you feel about your brothers and sisters in christ here the same way that paul felt about his brothers and sisters in Christ in Thessalonica. How was it that he was able to continue on in spite of the difficulty he was facing? How was it that he was able to be steadfast when Satan was hindering from doing what he would prefer to do? Now, we might have said, you know, that, that has to do with when he was on his journey in the earlier part of the journey and he wanted to go into Asia. And the Spirit kept him from doing that until he got to Macedonia, guided him to Macedonia. But that wasn't Satan doing that. So this is not in reference to that. This is something Paul wants to do that he's being kept from doing because Satan's interfering with that work. To me, I think it's what the Jews were doing to him while he was in Corinth, making it extremely difficult. With the added pressures of all the work that had to be done. God told him there had to be done. And how was it that he got encouragement Who did he get encouragement from? What does this verse say? The Thessalonians. When Timothy went and visited with them, spent some time with them, and then he came back and gave Paul his report, Paul's response is, you can't believe what you mean to me. We're going to see in the next chapter, he almost says, I almost can't put in words what your faith has done for my faith. Do we feel that way about our brothers and sisters here? Do we feel that way about brothers and sisters in other places? Do we ever tell them that? How how much do you think that meant to the Thessalonians? They're out there fighting. I'm going to tell you, some of them are losing their lives for the faith, they're brand new Christians. Paul's worried about them, and he says to them, I am so encouraged. My joy because of you is almost indescribable. You are my joy and my crown in the presence of the Lord Jesus when he comes again. Mm. Are we that for anybody? Are we that individually for anybody? Good thoughts. There's a good thought question there. I won't, I won't prompt an answer. Just the reason that I asked that question was for that purpose. We should take these words into our hearts and think about what Paul's trying to teach them and how it applies to us. So, I didn't use any of my slides there, which I was going to talk about all these things that are in that um, section. So, uh, let me just speed up here. Um, all right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Let's just read it. On the heels of that discussion, think about this. Uh, starting in verse 1, chapter 3. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it best to be, le- to be left behind alone in Athens, and we sent Timothy, our brother and, and God's fellow worker in the gospel f- of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you for the benefit of your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For, your, for you yourselves know that we have been dis- destined for this. For even when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction and so it happened as you know for this reason when I could no longer endure it I also sent to find to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and your and our labor would be for nothing but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always think kindly of us longing to see us just as we also long to see you For this reason, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now, we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. For what thanks can we give to God for you in return for all the joy with with which we rejoice because of you before our God? as we keep praying most earnestly night and day that we may see your faces and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow in love for one another and for all people just as we also do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. So I asked a question in this one. The first question I ask is, what tone do you pick up in Paul's writing of this letter in this chapter? What are some phrases or words that he used that stand out to you that express, I'll just I'll call it a tone. Barry? <clears throat> one of the things that's always been interesting about 1 Thessalonians is, in the Roman letter, you have a section of thanksgiving this Thanksgiving section is laughed all the way, first nine to ten, chapter three. He just keeps yeah. saying that over and yeah. he, he is so excited that they have state faith. Definitely, and I can totally understand that.
1: Definitely. The thankfulness that he has. If any of you
0: have ever worked with someone who was, a, who was not raised in the church, someone who you taught and who accepted what God provides and is offering. And then you have to leave them. I can tell you, you are always wondering if they're staying faithful, especially early. And it is so encouraging to hear from others who may be around them that, oh yeah, this person's here, and in fact now they're doing this um, in the work. So yes, Paul's gratitude for them is really overwhelming. What else? He says I can bear it no longer. Yeah. She also Yeah, so I have that one here right away. <laughs> when we could no longer endure it. I could bear it no longer. Do you see that repeated anywhere? Yeah, you do. So that's, that's verse 1. Look down there in verse 5. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it. first one was when we could no longer endure it. Picking up a tone there of not desperation, but certainly such deep concern for um, what it was that was going on with them. What else? Are there some other phrases in there or words that you might think of? I, I'll pair one up with this. How did they feel about him? How does he say they felt about him? Is there a, a sister phrase in here? Longing to see us just as we also long to see you. So is there a tone in this chapter about... Man, it would be great to get together. You want it, I want it, I would love for it to happen. That's certainly a tone that I picked up immediately. This section. Karen? It's really statement to say us means you standing. Yeah, when he says now we really live, yeah. Because of the way they're standing. Paul is encouraged to continue with his fight, his life, his walk. Had some other phrases up here. How about this one? Praying most earnestly night and day that we may see your faces. Same theme. And this one. Praying to God that he might direct our way to you. All of those having to do with how much they both wanted to be together. Paul writes to the Romans, in fact, one of my favorite passages, I I shouldn't say that because I have so many favorites, but one of my favorite passages about this topic, about people getting together who may not always naturally be able to get together, he says in, in Romans that he is eager to be with them, to come to them and meet with them so that they can be refreshed by talking about the gospel with each other. I get the sense that's what Paul's talking about here with the Thessalonians, that they can both be refreshed by some company with each other. Anything else you pick up here? I'll start over. How about this one? He had fear. Here's a tone. Fear that the tempter might have tempted you, and our labor would have been for nothing. And paired that up with the next verse, um, uh, but Timothy brought us good news of your faith and love and I'd pair that up with next uh, just a little further down we are comforted about you through your faith for now we really live as Karen pointed out if you stand firm in the the Lord so these are things that for me the tone here is one of of kind of coming from what he's built to in chapters 1 and 2 and at the end of chapter 2 the desire to see them and something getting in their way not changing the way that he feels about them. Any others? So, who does he send instead? Timothy. So I asked the question, what does that say about Timothy? I mean, think about this little trip they're on. Paul just met Timothy on this trip, and they've been across over to, the, over to um, Macedonia, they've spent time in Philippi, but not a lot of time, but some time, they were there for a while, they get run out to Thessalonica, they don't spend very much time in Thessalonica, they get pushed out to Berea. Thessalonian Jews follow him to Berea and before long the Bereans have to escort him all the way to Athens. He stays in Athens and waits for Silas and Timothy to catch up with him. And now they're in Corinth. So he hasn't been with Timothy all that long, less than a year. So what's to say about Timothy? He could have sent Silas, why didn't he send Silas? Silas was an older man, more experienced. I just think to me it says again what a special individual Timothy was. I mean, Paul talks about him anyway in other ways. What's he call him in other places? The son of my faith? Um, I, I don't know if it... What happened there? Hmm. I had more. Um... I don't know if it says anything else to you, but um, in, in this text, there we go. Uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe I didn't save everything I thought I saved. No, I don't want to do all this again. I must not have. Sorry about that. All right. Well, we'll just talk from the, from, the, from the passage itself. Let me go back just to the verses. There we go. I had that he also says right in here, he calls him a brother, and he calls him God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ. John? It doesn't take long to find out people you can trust. Yeah. Whether they're young, old, or anything, yeah. it's what they say and what they do that counts. And you can watch him and tell whether you can trust him, how you can depend on him. Some you can some you can't. That's today as well as back then. Yeah, so how would you contrast Timothy to John Mark? And Paul's feelings about John Mark. He didn't want to take John. Now that changes, we know that. By the end of Paul's life, that has completely changed. But for now, he has a lot of confidence in Timothy. This would have been a huge responsibility. Paul is worried about these people. He's, he's wondering if, if someone goes back and these people have been tempted and it's all been in vain and they've all fallen away, who do I send that can rally them back again and rescue them and bring them back into the fold again? And he sends Timothy? That says a ton to me about Timothy. Question, th- go ahead. He doesn't send no. <laughs> like, he's by himself, that, that makes it even harder. So, what do you think Timothy did? This is my next question. What do you think Timothy did to strengthen and establish and encourage them while he was there? It's pure speculation, but it's, that's what Paul says that he does in chapter three when he sends Timothy um, that he was that he um, was sent him there so that they would be encouraged. What is it that he did? do you think? Again, speculation. Crystal? Yeah, so sharing what they were going through in Corinth. Of course, this letter is going to be a big encouragement, but that was after Timothy was there. I think that he reminded them. One of the things I think that would have been encouraging or at least would have strengthened their faith and confidence is he probably would have reminded them what Paul talked about in the last chapter that we told you this was coming. We told you afflictions were going to come. And they did. Even while we were there, he says in chapter 2. So just reminding them that you guys have faced what we said was going to come and it even happened before we left is sort of an encouragement that you are, you are hanging in there with it. Um, I think that might be one of the things that he did. I think that Crystal hit it and that's why I said that because I think Crystal hit it right on the head. When you're sharing um, experiences with others who are attempting to do the same thing that you're doing that can be a source of encouragement. It can also be a source of learning. You can learn from other people's experiences. Either what not to repeat or how to get through it when it comes your way. Sherry? I think you kind of reminded them of all the blessings that God mm. has given them. And, for them and, and what he's going to give them in the future. What they have to look forward to. I
1: for think sure.
0: just reminding them of that makes them, helps them to endure any of the problems that they may have. Absolutely. And that, that's probably where we should start. Is that just reminding of what we're doing this for. And who we're doing this for. Um... So, I, I ask the next question, um, the last question, what should we learn about our own Christian walk from this chapter? What would be some takeaways about our walk? The main thing he emphasizes, is expect, expect persecution, mm-hmm. expect, it. he warned them before they even had it, that they were going there and who is it that we're imitating? yeah or Christ Paul says to the Corinthians after he leaves them and he writes them the first letter to Corinthians in 1st Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 be imitators of me as I am of Christ so are we a reflection of Christ Jerry said it earlier about opportunities John said it um, as well When people see what we're doing with our lives, do they actually see Christ? Are we imitating Him? If we are, we will suffer. These Thessalonians were suffering like like they did in Judea. At the hands of their own countrymen, Paul calls them, his countrymen. And these Thessalonians were going through the same thing. You are suffering at the hands of your own countrymen, the Jews and the Gentiles. Are making it difficult for you in Thessalonica. So you're imitating Christ in that way. As other Christians are doing. So this is part of the reason that I think this is what, he, what, Paul, what Timothy might have said as well. As other Christians are doing in other places. Just like you are doing for me. Um, I think counting the cost is a big one. I don't have time, but we could have gone to Matthew 10 or Mark 8 or Luke 9 where it talks about what it means to pick up, take up your cross and follow me when Jesus says that everyone, if you're not willing to hate your own family, your father, mother, brother, sister, then you're not worthy. All that means is that you can't walk the walk. With the dedication and the commitment that it takes, if you're not willing to make that kind of a commitment, that kind of sacrifice, it will happen. There will be people in your own family that probably caused those same things. Chapter 2, here's my summary. Chapter 2 ended on a note of Paul expressing how much he was encouraged and strengthened to remain faithful in his walk knowing that the Thessalonian believers were remaining faithful in their walk. Verse 6, it says, Timothy brought Paul and Silas good news regarding the faith of the Thessalonians. Verse 7, Paul and Silas were comforted because of the Thessalonians. Verse 8, they could really live because of the Thessalonians. Verse 9, they were thankful because of the Thessalonians. And so Paul writes, how can we thank God enough For all the joy we received because of the faith and the love you all have shown. How can we thank God? Um, And that's what he concludes with. It's almost, that's why I say it was almost, for him, hard to fathom. How is it possible for me to even express how thankful I am for you Thessalonians? So, how does he end this chapter? This is what I'll leave you with, because it goes right into the next one. These people were doing a great job. Thessalonian believers were even saying to, for Paul's purposes, I am so encouraged for what you are accomplishing that I can continue in my faith. And what does he end the chapter on? Brothers and sisters, having been orphaned, oops wrong chapter, here we are. Now, may, the, may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow in love for one another and for all people, so that he may establish your hearts in, holiness, in blameless and holiness before God the Father, coming our Lord Jesus and saints. Thessalonians, you're doing a fantastic job. I'm able to continue on and I'm joyous in my own work, even in spite of the persecutions and the hindrances that Satan's putting in my path. I can continue because of your faith. Awesome. Now do more. That's the cliffhanger. Because that's what he starts with in chapter 4. You need to do more. And I think to myself lastly, do you think we're doing as much as the Thessalonians were for other people around us? Do you think we're doing a good job? If you don't, if you think, I do think we can always do more, well if we're not living up to the standard of the Thessalonians and he told them to do more, then how far behind are we? <laughs> how much more is it that we can do? Even if we're doing Great. So we'll start there next week. Chapter 4. Made it.